what idiot at Netflix thinks that autoplay audio noisy fucking videos are a good idea? Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from Bunker Deep in the Heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where nothing changes for the better or the worse, but it sucks. And from America's left coast, where coffee has failed me for once, but uh, I'm, I'm looking into this tea fad. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, see, coffee hasn't failed you. Your coffee maker has failed you your yeah, my my mr coffee has failed me it's a sad day in the bemrose household well it wasn't mr coffee because those are really without doing a native ad for mr coffee like the cheapest yet always highest rated uh individual coffee makers that you can find although everybody seems to use and i'm included in this because you know laziness uh using the k-cup type devices the mr coffee devices that make you know 10 12 pots at a time are like way cheaper way easier to use well when it comes down to it except for you know getting rid of the grounds and they're like 20 bucks where some of these Keurig things are like 150 250 bucks well and and the the k-cup things only the most environmentally conscious people seem to care about the fact that the k-cup things you're you're creating a little throwaway plastic thing for every cup of coffee Uh, i drink enough coffee to fill a landfill on my own if i ever used one of those well, there are reusable K-Cups, which is then basically you're asking the question, why don't you get a Mr. Coffee? And I have the reusable K-Cups. They're not as bad as you might think if you buy in bulk massive quantities of little paper filters to put in the reusable K-Cups. Because otherwise, the problem is when using a reusable K-Cup is the coffee gets really tight in there and then you have to go through the whole point of you know washing them out yeah, you, and- you understand that that when you have reusable equipment you know, that you put food products on you're supposed to wash it right yeah well i would hope so some Soap people maybe don't and I, I do you even wash your coffee maker yes okay the, you know like once a month or so you empty out the water container you pour in however much it fills the container with white vinegar and you go through the pain in the ass like two and a half hours, although you just keep doing it. You go upstairs, you make a cup of coffee with, well, not coffee, but you run vinegar through, you spill it out, you run vinegar through until that's emptied the vinegar. Then you refill it again with water and you do that whole thing until that's empty to wipe all the vinegar out of it. And then you're ready to go back to making coffee. And it seems to work fairly well, but, uh, and this it helpful is a pain old Ben's tip for coffee. Anybody who has a dirty coffee maker. Yeah. White vinegar works. Just make sure you rinse it really well, unless you like the taste of vinegar in your coffee, but Some the reusable, do. the reusable K cups, most of them that I have, and they all work fine are plastic, which makes a lot of sense. One of them, which was, I got back when I was doing reviews for Amazon. It's a really nice one, but it's made out of aluminum. So the damn thing is hot when you go to take it out of it doesn't want to cool down quite as quick as the plastic well, ones do. So yeah, that, then you just have to wait a few minutes before you lick it. Right. 
well, because you my, know, my mm, coffee maker coffee is, is, has sprouted a new self-cleaning feature where it uh, it rinses itself while it's making coffee, and it also rinses down the table and everything nearby it. I'm I'm not sure I approve of the feature, but but it's there. It gets a little bit messy, and I agree, DC girl. The smell of vinegar is not bad, and a lot of people don't know it. It's a disinfectant, S- cider so vinegar. Use, you can use fantastic. vinegar to clean a lot of stuff. Vinegar is an acid. It's uh, it's very useful for cleaning and etching things. So this on this episode of Grumpy Old Ben's Coffee Talk, uh, I was going to uh, give my opinion on gay marriage, but first, what do you think, Darren? I would thought I thought this was Taco Talk. Oh, it might be. No, that was yesterday. Wait, that was no agenda, right? I forgot. No agenda yesterday. That was Taco Talk, and we weren't we weren't doing a gay marriage episode today. We were going to talk about technology from sci-fi and how it's become reality and vice versa. But I guess that's a gay marriage episode at, as well. I mean, they're connected somehow, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we can if we can come up with some sci-fi where they've had gay marriage. Isn't, isn't all sci-fi about gay marriage now? Isn't that kind of the point of what is what is I, quickly killing comic books and killing sci-fi is Yeah, the- I haven't I haven't watched Star Trek Discovery. Uh, for all I know, uh, McFarlane and Palicki, I mean, they might be even the same gender. So who knows? Well, it's something I read enough of the reviews and talked to people that have watched discovery and I'm with you. I have not watched it because as somebody that grew up as a big fan of the whole star Trek franchise is I don't want to have it ruined for me which is also the reason why i stopped watching doctor who when they brought in jody whittaker not because it was uh not solely because it was doctor who being turned from a man into a woman a character that had been around for over 50 years i mean it was surely we had to change that by now because what we were doing obviously wasn't working but because of the fact that the early episodes again people that i know that had watched it and people that i trust their opinions were like it's turning into a social justice warrior show. And yeah, that I, I, I can handle, what I want. I can handle the doctor being a woman. If, if you, yes. I mean, you've already established, first of all, this is, this is a show that it has so many ridiculous things on it that if you, if you draw your line at, at a character who's already been established to get a whole new body every time that the showrunners want to recast the part, uh, wouldn't that be awesome? If, if if the if you totally accept uh, Cybermen and Daleks and uh, statues that can turn you into goo by looking at you, and you draw the line at a per- a character who's been established to get a new body that that body would never be female, then your priorities are a little bit wrong. But I do agree with you. Uh, I I have a real problem with the the Lear Foundation influence in popular media where they're basically taking all of the shows that we like and beating us over the head with progressive leftist ideology as part of the script. And it has caused me to not want to watch modern Hollywood anymore. And the weeping angels on doctor who one of the creepiest things ever on that series. Love it. But it was interesting. We bought my wife and I went into a Michael's. I know that's horrible because they're a you know, Christian company and all that. Um, probably. A um, couple of months before the new Doctor Who was coming out, before Jodie Whittaker's run was coming out, 
and we were purchasing a couple of things. They had some wall art, some uh, like Marvel stuff, DC stuff. And they also had a couple of Doctor Who things. So we were purchasing those. And it surprised me that the cashier, who was an older black lady, was the Doctor Who thing was the thing that she, whoa, mentioned something about the show that made it clear that she was a Doctor Who fan. So we just kind of conversed a little bit while she was checking the you know items out. And it, it, that kind of a concept came up, which was, you know, it's great that he could be anything. And I'm like, well, yes, well, he, I guess, wait, <laughs> we just misgendered Doctor Who. Uh, you can send card and letter to grumpyoldbens.com. But she said, well, yeah, it's great that Doctor Who could be anything. And I'm like, yes, but so far, he's always been a white guy from the UK. <laughs> so, I mean, we're still kind of limited here that we went directly to a woman. But hey, you know, there's there's a lot of other things the doctor could be. And yes, I don't have a problem with the changing genders thing, although you've had 50 years of back lore, you know, of the canon of, you know, people that are into sci-fi, they talk about the canon and how things fit into the world of which the stories have been written. And I don't remember anything in Doctor Who lore or canon, which because t- the Time Lords, this this is just one of them. I mean, I know now in Doctor Who, that's, that's allegedly the last Time Lord. You know, that whole thing, there was the big Time Wars and they're all dead. But at one point, there were allegedly a whole bunch of Time Lords, like there are people on Earth. I never once remember hearing that they could change gender. So then throwing that in, if that wasn't a part of the story for the first 50 years, you're kind of going, don't you think somebody would have mentioned that by now? Well, I don't know. How often on Grumpy Old Ben's do you mention that you can change socks? Maybe it's so commonplace for them that they don't care. I mean, in in the previous episodes, I uh, seasons, whatever. Okay, first of all, I have a terrible admission to make. I'm not really a Doctor Who fan. My first Doctor was David Tennant. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm I'm not really a fan. Uh, my my wife Dame Bemrose came in as a huge fan of of Tom Collins or whoever the fuck the the one was from way back in the day. Tom at, Baker, man, the best doctor ever. Tom Baker without a doubt. Yes, yes, Tim Cook was the the best doctor, I get it. But <laughs> I am clearly not a fan and she has tried to get me to watch it and I I I went back and I watched well, okay. So my first doctor was Tenet and I thought he was good. I thought he you know it 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 set up the part for me and it set up a character. And then she made me go watch the Eccleston ones. And I'm like, and then, (laughs) and then the, the, whatever the, the tall lanky fuck uh, after him was. Uh, And I I watched all those and I kind of absorbed the plot and everything, you know, what, for one thing, if, if you thought that those were acceptable episodes, they did have a time Lord character in there who switched from male to female. So they clearly set a precedent. Right. I don't know. The the idea that they can change genders, I mean, I can I can change my pants, but I don't talk about it all the time because it's something that I do all the time and it's just no, commonplace. I, so I maybe you really don't wear pants if you're not leaving the house. Well, I can wear pants and that's not commonplace, so I'll remark on that. But I, I guess I don't know. I, I'm just thinking with again, coming as a clearly not a real Doctor Who fan because I didn't watch it until they rebooted. Uh I guess I don't, I don't see the, oh, oh no, the doctor has breasts as, I mean, is that the hill you want to die on criticizing this series? No. 
it's it's fantastic stories but if if you want to start analyzing it from hard sci-fi let's throw a dart at their production schedule pick any episode and i will start to rant about all the things that they get completely fucking wrong about their science <laughs> because they just i mean it's we started this talking about Star Trek and Star Trek, you know, anytime that you have any kind of science problem, all you really have to do is remodulate the phase variance and everything becomes fine. It's that show is full of scientific gobbledygook, but they've at least acknowledged, uh, you know, the, the theory behind subspace and warp fields has a little bit of internal consistency. If you watch all of it and I'm not going to, geek out that far because i i am a star trek fan but doctor who episode to episode they violate their own rules they change the way that the world works from show to show just for the purpose of making a good story and that's great because the goal is to make a good story they're not trying to make something that someone can analyze and build a scientific tome about but it's fantasy and you know what in fantasy things go weird and if you think that (laughs) everything in the show is normal right up until the doctor suddenly has boobs then you're not judging it right no i'm just saying that that didn't seem to me to be something that needed to be done it's an interesting thing to look at from a few different levels the first is i think doctor who uh, Dame Bemrose aside, and my wife likes the new Doctor Who, but hated anything before the new reboot, just due to the fact that the production level was, um, you know, probably less than what we're doing on this podcast as far as special effects and things like that. But it's interesting they to look at. So I was a assume, genuine squeaky chair. Yeah, I know. I need some squeaky chair noises. But when it comes down to it, Doctor Who, I believe, was always a show that was aimed at boys. You know, especially younger boys, teenage boys, that was where this whole thing, you know, like a lot of sci-fi and stuff, that was the audience. So the question becomes, you have this massively successful franchise that's always been geared towards the male audience. You really are taking a chance when you convert that main character from male to female. And if there was a good reason for it, I get it. I would understand it. But it seemed to me that the change was made for the wrong reason, especially when you then added in all of these social justice warrior line, you know, storylines. It seemed like it was done for the wrong reasons. And that may be where the issue comes in. But yes, you're absolutely right. Doctor Who is not based on we're looking for the most realistic. Could this possibly happen thing? I do give them kudos with the rebooted series and everything else. For not changing the phone booth, which I still think that is one of the most genius things about the show. Well, it's it's certainly the most iconic thing about the show. They they've already long established that they change the face of the doctor all the time, but the the iconic symbol of the doctor has always been the phone booth. They've they've got to keep that one. Because it's broken. That is so, the most beautiful thing about the show. It's stuck in that mode with all of the technology that you see on that show. On every episode, they still can't figure out how to make the TARDIS blend into where it's at anymore. It's just stuck on an English phone booth. And again, the science the science makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, if if they can 
fix the universe every single episode, then they can probably fix the freaking TARDIS. But no, the story demands that in order for the story to be interesting, it has to stay broken. And so it is. And I, it, that makes sense from from the perspective of appreciating a good story. I agree with it. I do have one question to ask you, though, if if the show if I mean, I I dispute that the show target continues to be adolescent boys, but but let's let's accept that that's who they're going for right now. Um, it, have, have I ever told you why uh, when I play video games, like if I play a Western RPG or something, um, I, I always select, you know, when it says, you know, choose what character you want to play, I always select a female character. And the reason for that is not because I want to be a woman. It's because if I'm going to be staring at the same character for 60 hours worth of video game and running all over the landscape and staring at the ass end of this character for the whole time, I want it to be something worth staring at. My question to you is if you, if, if the target audience really is adolescent boys, what makes you think they wouldn't rather look at a woman? That's a good question. It'll be interesting to see what actually comes down as far as the ratings are, but uh, it's possible. But they always had the, which I guess is the very, we talked about gender in the last episode, the very sexist part of Doctor Seems Who. Seems to be a theme here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah. Has always been, he has the, his assistant with him. You know, he just picks somebody up, just tools them around the universe, and uh, it's always a pretty girl. That's that's always the way it seems, which I guess is kind of creepy when you look at it because he's like, you know, oh, what, yeah, 600 years old. And he's, yeah, the, he's the girl, original, like 20, 30, <laughs> the original creepy old man. He's even worse than Epstein, I guess. I mean, he has his own TARDIS. I mean, that's you can screw I mean, an island, man. I mean, that's almost Weinstein levels of creepiness. I mean, it is. You got this. You got a time machine. You could just come in. You want to talk he, about really go, taking yeah. somebody captive? Remove old, them from their planet and yeah. their time. Lecherous old <laughs> geezer comes down in magic phone box and kidnaps girls to drag them around and put them in danger for a season. I, I see a whole different series spawning out of that concept. It might have yes. to be rated a little bit more than the, the Lolita TARDIS. Exactly. <laughs> now on Pornhub, you never know. I'm sure they could try now with the, the CGI, you could pull that kind of stuff off. Even in porn. Now you could do some of these effects, but the early doctor who, with with deep fakes, they probably already have happened. Yeah, you got a point there. The deep fakes are getting scary. And if you don't know what deep fakes are, go back to 20 something episode of Random Thoughts where we talked about the deep fakes and they've become even bigger news since then because people do. They believe in that this is where the tech kind of gets involved in this stuff is that people believe what they hear a, a decent amount. I mean, you could be like, well, does that. That guy kind of sounds like Sir Bemrose, but I'm not really sure if it is, but people really believe what they see. So, I mean, I guess if you're rating text, audio and video on how much people believe, well, the text, probably the least audio, a little bit more and video, they really, really believe. And the fact that you can now just take a bunch of pictures of somebody or take an existing video of them. Let the computer analyze that and re-put this together in a way that's totally different than the start. I downloaded because I was curious, not because I'm a pervert, totally lecherous old man. But you are. You hear up, but that wasn't well, the only reason. Right. The program that came out, it was out briefly, and then of course it had to be taken down. It was on like GitHub or one of these things. Did you see the uh, it was the 
what do you call it? Deep porn, deep, whatever it was. It is a program that lets you put a photo of any female into there. Although it's, I say any female, it has to be a very kind of specific photo. It seems for it to work, but that's because the technology is fairly young, which is if it's somebody, especially in a bikini facing forward, like a full body shot, it would automatically create a fake nude of that person. And it works scarily well when I tried it out because I'm like, I want to see how this technology works. I want to know where we are with the level of this. Do do we want to know who you used? Because that's the kind of thing that I don't think your wife would appreciate. (laughs) She doesn't care. I mean, just various like Victoria's Secret models. Because you said said any female. Now I want to try it with my tabby cat. Well, you could try that. Actually, you know what? No, on second thought, I don't want to see an image of my cat with bare boobs. Right. That would be that would be scary. But the interesting thing is that it is taking something that is a fairly complex thing, which is to recreate something in a photograph that wasn't there. Somebody that works with Photoshop every day doing all like the no agenda art where you're trying to take somebody out of their background and put them into a new background where, you know, for various reasons, it worked to a point that even I was kind of amazed, which is something very similar. We, I don't know if we ever talked about on the show with the Photoshop, something that came out as one of their features, maybe four or five years ago was something Adobe calls content aware fill. Which, if you take a photograph of um, any landmark and there's like one person standing in front of it and you want to clear them out, you just put a little lasso tool, you, you select the person, you hit content aware fill, and the computer looks at that image and it goes, Well, what do I think should be behind this based on everything else I'm seeing in the photograph? And that works also scarily well. This, the deep porn thing worked just about that well as far as taking the clothes off putting you know going towards where the background is not being but able to tell it, it's just a different version of content aware uh yes if, it's if unfill you, if you have a picture of somebody <laughs> in a bikini then the the machine learning behind it can be aware that the the likely content behind there is a pair of boobs and you know it, it, it it's if you've seen one pair of boobs, then, uh, I mean, you want to see the rest of them. <laughs> uh, Ryan Bemrose is Ryan at grumpyoldbens.com. But yeah, the technology is there, which is where in the early Doctor Who, the stories stood on their own. If you've gone back, like you said, if your wife made you go back and watch the Tom Baker era or anything around there which is Tom Baker was the first doctor that was airing on our PBS station when I was a kid in junior high, high school. And the stories have to stand for themselves without good writing and good acting. There was no special effects on the show, which is something that the new reboot has totally changed. And at first I was like, well, you know, you're kind of losing the the joy of the show you're kind of losing the personality but i get it everything now is a huge master cgi well, fest I, I, obviously the all of the cg it it definitely functions as a crutch but if you want to say that the modern doctor who doesn't have good writing then i it, Stephen moffat would like to have a word there is 
some of the best writing on television today is is still present in that show. The the lead writer of Sherlock went off and and worked on it. I think that you can you can no, go I ahead. Agree. I think they did really well up until the current jo- Jody Whitaker thing, which I haven't seen again. I'm going on what other people have said, but yes, uh, I have been impressed. I just so like you're the first season when you know it started. Nothing about. Well, I know about everything up until the Jody Whitaker, but I'm saying from like the Tom Baker era when the first uh, when they first rebooted it with Ecclestein. I went well, ranting I about something if- you know nothing about. Don't steal my shtick. Well, somebody's got to give you a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of a run for your money. But talking about the the tech involved, it's interesting when you go back and watch something, which I did a few months ago, started watching the original Star Trek again. And things, we see this in such a different light. And one, it's amazing on how well the film that they shot that show on looks now with like the Blu-ray high-res versions that they've put out. But you realize at the time when Captain Kirk would be sitting there in his chair, looking at that big view screen, talking to you know an alien or talking to somebody else from Starfleet on the big screen, and you're like, back in the 60s, it was like, wow, can you imagine if that technology exists? And today we're going, oh, Skype. Yeah, and today we're watching Star Trek on exactly such a screen. Yes. It just like, oh, the flat screen just like sitting on your, uh, you know, yeah. on the wall. The two bits of technology from original Star Trek that uh, you, you people might not even realize because they're commonplace now, but that always blew me away when they finally came in. One was the communicator, which it became the flip phone. And the other was the, the pad, which became a tablet. And nowadays, it's commonplace to have a, a, a small piece of paper shaped chunk of rigid plastic that you poke at and it changes things on the screen and and acts like a computer that is commonplace and normal but that was completely a wild idea during the time of star trek yeah i mean that's where the technology a lot of times you wonder if the people that invented this stuff you know a lot of people that work on that stuff are the geeks that are into the sci-fi and all that and you go you wonder how much of that imagined stuff was on their mind like you said with the flip phone it's like there was really very little reason to have the flip in the flip phone but you know it really did make it look like a star trek communicator so you know it was that why it was there maybe we don't know well i i think that that probably was uh, it definitely fed into the design everybody had in their heads the star trek communicator it, it definitely became part of the culture and then somebody comes out and says, yeah, we've got this new phone and look what it does. And it flips open. Uh, that that was absolutely a, a marketing trick and a very successful one because it spawned an entire type of phone right up until somebody went, you know, actually, these hinges are, are a problem. And let's just make a phone that looks like a candy bar. And the other thing that I think came not completely to fruition from Star Trek. But look at the medical equipment, look at the scanners and everything that they do. And that I also think is another area where things have really come through to, uh, you know, the fact that you can do these little things where you can get your temperature from the thing by sticking it in your ear and pulling it quickly, you know, which is a fairly simplistic thing, I understand. But, you know, back then they had no concept 
of where medical technology can get to today to where you can go in, you know, get a full MRI and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's kind of what these devices were doing. We just haven't gotten to the point yet where you can have an MRI machine, you know, in your pants. Well, speak for yourself. Hey, where do you keep your MRI machines all up to you, man? Yeah, I'm I'm not. You know what? This is grumpy old Ben's. This uh, this is not where I discuss what I keep in my pants. This is like exclusively where you talk about what you keep in your pants. I have so many other places, bathroom walls, uh, you know, in, in uncomfortable social gatherings. Well, again, this is where the communication skills that you learn from Star Trek and all of those. And, and I guess you could also look into things like Star Wars and all this other kind of crazy stuff. But I guess if you were to pick the two things that glaringly have not come true fruition yet from Star Trek, it would be the weapons that shoot out, you know, phasers. You know, they just shoot out magical uh, energy and the teleporter. Are we ever going to get either of those, do you think? Or are those just too far? I hope not. <laughs> I, I mean, if or if which I, or both. It, it, well, OK, so. If- First of all, with the, with the weapons, uh, I, I feel like that the, I mean, aside from the fact that there is a, in theory, a physical moving piece of metal involved, the weapons we have are already a point and click interface. I don't think that anything else is really necessary. We, you know, the, the, a gun that shines a bright light and then does damage to something at the end is except for the special effects and the, the shiny beam is basically all what we already have. Well, except that it never has to reload, which is the scary thing, I think. Well, I mean, how I mean, many I've never you you're how very many familiar times with are you the planning Star Trek? on shooting somebody without having to reload. You never know. But <laughs> with Star Trek, I don't remember anything in a Star Trek episode that has them reloading or recharging a phaser. Am I just not remembering this or did it never happen? Oh, I'm I'm sure there was some point in a plot where, you know, there there have been plenty of episodes where somebody has used a a phaser as a power source for something and and they'll they'll talk about you know storage or or recharging or whatever i mean i think the impression given by the writing on that show is that the phasers require a charge but that they have enough charge to basically fire continuously for a year and it's theoretically possible i mean i could i could see like a a a belt fed glock that you could fire that many times if you needed to. It'd be a little unwieldy, yeah. but it would be kind of awesome. And, and Progo said ne- the next generation did occasionally have the batteries run out on the sidearm. So yeah. I guess it did you, happen. Usually we when, when some alien anomaly had for, uh, because of hand-waving plot reasons, decided that they needed to not be firing anymore, and therefore their their hand sidearms suddenly had dead power cells. That's usually how it worked. I mean, the great thing about those devices would be the government couldn't keep you from recharging them because you would just need electricity, electricity, allegedly, and you wouldn't have to go out and buy bullets. Well, if if you recall about every one of the Star Trek series, the protagonists, the people we were following, the people we were supposed to root for, they were the armed government agents. The government was Starfleet. It was the United Federation of Planets. These are the people on the government side. The show kind of glossed over the idea that there might you know every once in a while there was some antagonist in the show who was an unhinged freedom fighter who didn't trust the government but every one of them was was looked at as a, uh, a crackpot uh, a lone wolf uh you know somebody that 
that you're supposed to look at and go, this person ain't right in the head. And that's the only reason they don't trust the government. <laughs> the, the United Federation of Planets did not have widespread government distrust because for some reason, inexplicably, their version of socialism works and doesn't result in everybody going hungry. I guess it's technology that causes that. So once we all have food replicators where you can talk to a wall and have anything that you want suddenly appear for free, then we won't have hunger and then socialism can work. Well, that's an interesting point. So all we need is the replicators and then we could all be happy. I, I, I'm not sure we can all be happy. I, well, okay. Let me, let me go back to the other half of the question that, that I didn't answer. Teleporters. Do I wish that we had them? No. Uh, and, and the reason, if, if I may quote uh, somebody who, who thought a lot more about the science than the writers of Star Trek, uh, I believe it was Larry Niven who pointed out that uh, in, in any hard sci-fi uh, teleporter technology, any kind of teleporter must be very, very strictly controlled. Because if your technology involves transmitterless teleport, that is, you don't have to have a device on the other end that you put the item into to be teleported, then what you have is the end of private property. If there is no transporter, you know, if there's no transmitterless, if you can teleport something without having to have a transmitter at the location it starts from, then nobody is allowed to own anything ever again. Because ah, that's true. Yeah, because I want you your just, cat. Yeah, it's <laughs> click. Yeah, exactly. And, and that happens on both sides constantly. And at some point you you end up with a real mess when somebody, you know, one person tries to transport the front of the cat at the same time. Somebody else tries to transport the back of the cat. And the it's yeah. OK, let's finish. That you're just box. sitting there. You're watching your big screen TV. You're watching a movie. But then the other observation the TV disappears. The other observation made <laughs> at the same time is even worse. And that is receiverless transport. If you can, if you have a technology that can transport things, teleport things without a receiving station, then all you have is your, your society is inevitably going to fall into a very short war. And then that's it for the technology. Everybody involved will be dead. Right. Which is what people don't think about right now. If you're sitting at home, you got your doors locked. You think you're safe. Teleporter technology means somebody like Sir Bembrose could just appear next to you at any time for any reason. I don't have to go. Why would I want to go send a bomb? (laughs) Well, it depends what you wanted. This this terrorism tip is not endorsed by grumpy old Benz. But, you know, can you just imagine being somebody like Taylor Swift, who had a new album drop today? And I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. The new album didn't really grab me yet. But. Somebody that needs to have ex-military a- guys when as you're listening security. to Taylor Swift, you're not thinking about grabbing the album. Yeah, I do. I, I'm mad they don't have vinyl yet for the new album. Get the vinyl out. Although she's crazy with saying she wants to re-record like the first five or six albums because somebody bought the masters. That's not going to work. Again, technology exists. Those exist. You could reproduce them. It doesn't matter. The original ones still exist. But somebody like that or, you know, the president of the United States, I mean, we know how much security they need around the president. If you had the ability, like you said, one, to send a bomb, uh, but two, even just to send an assassin, you know, hey, the president's asleep in his room. Well, (laughs) if somebody could just appear in the room and off him, yeah, I mean, that would be when you really think about the effects of having that technology and the way it could be misused. The teleportation might be the most dangerous concept 
of the Star Trek universe, especially for the fact that you could go anywhere on a planet or allegedly within a certain amount of uh, miles away. Yeah, yeah. The, the distance is determined by the needs of the plot. Yes. Which I mean, I get the reason they came up with the transporters was, oh, God, do we have to, every time we go to a planet, do we have to do a scene where we get into a shuttlecraft and then we go? Well, no, we they, just cut they, all that out. They don't have to do a No. I mean, I mean, yes, the transporters were totally invented as a plot device, and it was something Roddenberry was like, well, this would be really cool in my utopia. And, and it just became ingrained, and, and it captured everyone's imaginations, which was amazing, because that's what the show is about, is exercising your imagination. But make no mistake, it's fantasy. Do you have to do a scene where you describe going and taking a shuttlecraft down and landing on a planet every single time? Well, no. For the same reason why, if you look at a schematic of the Enterprise or you watch all episodes of the show, there's no bathroom on that ship. Why? Because eh, we don't really show people peeing. Because it's a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. So, no, you you can. It is quite possible to say, uh, you know, take take your away team and go down to the planet. And then 45 minutes later, the shuttle lands and then you cut to the next scene. It is an option, but Roddenberry decided that he wanted teleporters in his thing and everybody really liked the idea of teleporters. So you know what? Star Trek has teleporters. JC Jr. is calling you out in the chat room saying Riker said the bathrooms are on deck 15 or something. You really you've looked at these schematics close enough uh, to where there are no bathrooms. Yeah. You know what? If if JC Jr. can point to me on the doll where the bathroom is located. Also, wait a minute. There's there's a thousand plus people on board and there's only one fucking bathroom. I don't like this ship anymore. <laughs> it's going to take. There's going to be a really long line, but it, I mean, you would think the captain would have his own orders. For I saw no evidence of, of a toilet in any of the quarters. The only concession they had to any kind of hygiene was some concept called a sonic shower, which I don't think is is a substitute for water anyway. But although. There, there was one episode of Voyager where they showed Torres in the shower. Uh, they only showed her from the shoulders up, but uh, if you had a good imagination, it was a nice scene. But then how did the joke come to be? What did Riker see in Picard's bathroom? The captain's log. Number, it was a joke. Number one, they have to go number, number two. two. Right. How did that happen? I don't know, but I've never really I guess, thought about that. And I've never looked at the schematic, so I guess that's... That puts you one step ahead, but that's interesting that even in somebody re, which is the crazy thing about it is that somebody had to go and reimagine the schematics because I don't think the original writing or anything had that. And nobody could just think of to put in maybe, you know, a bathroom here or there. That's a little odd because you're right. And I mean, humans, there are certain things that you still have to do. Well, the way I see it, the Borg had the right idea. They, they use technology and implants to just magically technologically evacuate all of those horrible biological processes that were inconvenient and that to be honest is the real reason why there's no bathrooms on the enterprise is for the same reason that they have teleporters because it seemed like a cool idea and and what the hell it's fantasy anyway so we're not just not going to tell that part of the story or are they just teleporting what they don't want right off the off the ship That might, you know what? That actually might be the technology. Right next to the sonic shower is your personal poop transporter that you sit down on it and it teleports the poop out of your colon and out into high tech blue ice. Yeah, high tech blue ice, baby. (laughs) I want that stuff falling from an airplane. Ships are going at warp. You don't want to be anywhere nearby. It has nothing to do with subspace (laughs) fields. It has to do with the fact that it's jettisoning 
faster than light turds. That could be very dangerous and probably unsanitary. Although, you know, it's space, so no oxygen. So it would probably be okay. I'm guessing. Well, no oxygen just means that they desiccate and become brittle huh. until they hit something. Yeah. So there are always things that they don't think of when they write this. Now, is there anything else on Star Trek? I know we're picking on them a little bit, but in the series that you've ever seen any episode, anything, any concept that you just went, you guys are pushing me here. You're pushing me for believability. You're pushing me to enjoy this episode because this was just so stupid that it was beyond belief. Well, do you want to start with the acting or the writing? Because <laughs> those are the, the two There's always bad acting, right? Although I guess we can also talk about the acting at some point. I mean, Doctor Who, again, kind of goes into that same category. The early stuff was not really uh, Shakespearean level acting. Well, I I mean, if, if you remove the nostalgia tinted goggles, uh, anything from the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, they their actors were fantastic for the time. But acting on television was really not where it needed to be for believability for modern audiences and mostly because they they i I think it took them a few decades to get over the hump of oh my god we're on television well i can see that i can see that but you see I've, i've watched a bunch of old episodes of things i've been watching the lone ranger series which is a very interesting bit of television history sounds like a the marketing campaign for a loan shark it c- could be but it's, it's i think it's the only show in the history of television that started with one guy as the lead character had a falling out over money i'm assuming i never really went and looked too far into exactly what was going on but i'm assuming it was money they had a falling out and the people running the show went the asshole's in a mask who's going to notice a different guy playing him So they brought somebody else in for one season and people noticed and people didn't like it. So they brought the first guy back. So I think that's the only time in television history where they switched to somebody else for a season and then back to the original guy. But it's very much like Star Trek to me. And the fact that you don't have the space stuff, but it is very much a soap opera and good always beats evil. Well, interestingly, another way that that story is like Star Trek was, uh, and and this might be getting a little too far in, during season two of Next Generation, they dropped Gates McFadden because they said that she, you know, wasn't working out or whatever. And they brought in this other doctor who was like a, a withered old crone and the audience hated her. And for season three, they brought back Beverly Crusher. So, I mean, you know. Every story that you have, there's probably a, a Star Trek story to go with it. That could be. And Cold Acid mentioned the exact same thing in the chat room, but it is a little bit different when it's a different character playing the same exact character. I mean, it was kind of like Bewitched. I watched that about a year or so ago. And the Darren character, which is where my parents got the name, I guess they were watching a lot of Bewitched. The main guy couldn't continue on in the show. They brought somebody else in. Just never mention it, which is also an interesting thing when you look at old television, especially in a show like The Lone Ranger. It's amazing. They had no concept, obviously, when they were making these shows back in the 1950s or so, that there would ever be a thing called binge watching. You could only watch the show when it was on. And you notice Uh, appointment viewing Yeah, with The Lone Ranger. There are characters 
that you want to talk about people playing different characters. There's probably like 20 people that were in the whole Lone Rangers five seasons. And, you know, 15 of them probably played 30 characters apiece because it's the same people, the same actors playing different people in every show. It's very interesting. Well, that even happens today in any anything animated, for example, where where you just have the, the actors doing voices and they'll do different voices for different characters. Sometimes they won't do a different. Well, then that kind of gets confusing. You're like, well, that sounds exactly like. Yeah. Huh. But it's an interesting thing because it's like, okay, nobody thought that would happen. I haven't really what? paid that much attention to that with uh, I, Star I, I Trek. But- probably what's interesting about it is the transformation of audience expectations over the years as television took hold as the dominant means of telling a story for a generation or two. Before the television, the the main means that you tell a visual story was actual theater where you have a troupe and and in fact, you know, when in a lot of places you would have a roving theater troupe of maybe six people total. And therefore, if you had a play with 15 people, those people, the the actors would have to take on several roles. And that was it was part of the audience expectation. Their suspension of disbelief was they're telling a story and obviously they need a new character here. So let's just imagine, you know, augment what we're seeing with our imagination. And yeah, I know that's the same voice as this other character in this other scene, but they're wearing a different hat. And so obviously different character. And so let's move along with the story with a different person. And because they had nothing to particularly base it on in the early, early days of television, that was brought over where you, you're like, well, we're just doing theater, but now we're filming it. And so it, it still made sense to have your troupe, your list of actors, where if you had a character who was only in for one scene in one episode of a really long thing, then you didn't go out and find another actor because that was effort that was money that was you have to get your casting director in no we've got this person we just throw them in some makeup a, a new wig and and it's a different person and the audience is fine with that but you, you move fast forward to you know the last 20 years 30 years people no longer accept they're like no way that person has the same voice as this other minor character three episodes ago that was in for a two-minute scene and therefore, my disbelief is shattered, and and I think that this whole show is shit. And people are paying that close of attention, which is both people scary are. and amazing. Which people is are, amazing and scary. People are obsessed with things that are should not be obsessed. For example, us right now talking about this—that's it, it, it's borderline unhealthy obsession. I, I mean, I wallow in that, but <laughs> I'm just pointing out. Well, see, but now with these characters, you now have deep fake. So if you don't really need somebody for a big part. You could just CGI the complete person in, which is an interesting concept when you are making somebody up completely out of thin air, which they are able to do. But the little sidetrack here is how do you feel about the concept, which I know it's something Disney did a bit with the uh, Princess Leia once Carrie Fisher had passed on. How do you feel about these studios taking the likeness and basically creating a deep fake and putting people like Carrie Fisher into a movie and making her 
you know, obviously her character, but people are used to, you know, this is the actress. If, if, if you're saying things and doing things, if, if you're talking about the princess Leia that showed up at the end of rogue one, that was quite possibly the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I had nightmares about that movie. It, um, if, if I had stopped the movie five minutes before the end of the movie, uh, I could have gone away and been like, this is a pretty good show. But no, that one scene, that that four seconds that a computer generated Princess Leia was on screen. Uh, I I am going to therapy right now to work through the experience, <laughs> but it's going to be difficult and it's going to be with me for a really long time. But yeah, so I agree with you. The concept I find is completely and totally creepy. It's one thing with there are a couple concert tours out there now. Roy Orbison's one of them, I think. They might have done it with Michael Jackson at one point or Tupac where they did the hologram thing. And with those, you have people just up performing, singing songs that they actually sang. So that's that to me isn't really as creepy. If people want to pay to go see a holographic Roy Orbison sing Pretty Woman, I can see where that can be entertaining. I do draw that line at, well, you know, we've got a lot of footage of Carrie Fisher and we'd like Princess Leia to show up in the next episode. So we'll just computerize this whole thing and make her do and say things that the actress herself never did. That, to me, is over the line. Well, the computerized Roy Orbison is is just a natural technological evolution from having a video of him. The only difference is that now, I, I guess you've got 3D and in a different screen or but it it's. You take a video of somebody doing a performance and then you play it back. That's effectively what that is with a little bit higher budget. As for using actors to do things that they never did, I can't help but think that an inevitable march of technology, at some point, it'll get over the creepy factor and I won't have nightmares about these characters. At some point, it'll be completely believable (laughs) and normal. I mean, if you look at the things that they've done in the latest Marvel movies, then there's shit in uh, Jane you know what i mean <laughs> right but Stuff okay so then CG here's the other that, question that never should have happened totally right the other question is then when do we get to the point that we don't need actors and actresses at all because they cost money and computers well depending on your opinion of hollywood right now we don't need actors and actresses at all that may be true it may be better if we just had a completely computer generated world going on and we may be in that, the matrix and there's going to be games. another matrix yeah, there's going to be another make, Matrix, man. Yeah, make it interactive. And what you've just described is video games. We have a great many stories being created with almost with no actors or actresses or at the very most with uh, completely computer generated humans, creatures, people, whatever, uh, who at, at the very most have sound recordings of some voice actor's voice. And I, I mean, an animation cartoons have been like that forever they don't look quite as realistic but that's kind of what they are and i i think that the the merging of video games to you tell stories into hollywood has been going on for a long time where people that don't exist that never existed i mean the the character in a video game that's pretty damn close to what you're describing as a deep fake well, it may be. And just to do a little bit of an update on a previous Grumpy Old Ben's episode, I saw somewhere the other day that allegedly Mickey Mouse, the copyright 2021 will be when that expires. Maybe it was 2024. Um, that is going to expire. But of course, it was pointed out that trademarks do not expire. So 
the massive influx of people making Mickey goods would not be showing up, but the character itself, it looks like the also having, having watched the history of copyright law as it respects the Mickey mouse character. What makes you think that Disney will not spend a significant portion of their budget to purchase legislation to make that copyright not go away? That was on one of the articles talking about that. And they just don't think the uh, they just don't think the backing's there anymore. They just think it's going to drop off. And I think the public is finally starting to realize that perpetual copyrights might not be a good thing. Well, they pointed out that Sherlock Holmes has dropped into the character itself has dropped into the public domain. Which is why you're seeing a lot of these Sherlock Holmes movies who aren't paying the Doyle estate anything, which is maybe right at this point. I mean, yeah. that was definitely where you came down on this. Five but years. They're also saying, <laughs> yeah, you, the five years thing. Can we just talk about that for a minute? If you want. Since, uh, since you just admitted after that episode that you just pulled that number out of your ass and we're just sticking to it because you wanted to make a point you put me on the spot you're like you're like how long is reasonable and i'm like well nothing i say is ever reasonable i'm gonna say five years it's the level to which ryan bemrose will stick to a bit you pull something out of your ass don't even necessarily give it any thought or believe in it but damn it you're gonna stick with that until your dying breath aren't you no just until it's no longer entertaining well that works for the show but so the copyright thing it's interesting to me where it comes to the technology as well because there are a lot of great voice actors out there. So now that you have this world of deep fakes, what do you do if you're a voiceover guy? Our buddy Larry did some voiceover work. What happens when somebody can just sample your voice and then produce a voiceover that sounds like you? I mean, this it is getting to be a creepy world and the technology is getting there to where you can be faked in audio video. Soon it'll be 3D. Uh, soon it'll be with the, you know, the sex robots, which I think you kind of have to bring up if you're talking about technology on the no agenda stream. I think it's a necessity. I, I know. I'm sorry. I don't do fake sex robots, only the genuine ones. It's it just, it's kind of like grumpy old Ben's except no cheap imitation, only the cheap original grumpy old I do want to give a, a, a quick pro tip for anybody. If, if you hear deep fakes of Sir Bemrose, if you hear my voice, and you want to know if you're listening to the the genuine original is or if it's live if you listen to it and it sounds completely off the rocker and just insane saying things that no no sane person would ever say that that's probably the original if it's saying something completely reasonable and normal that agrees with conventional knowledge that you might see uh, a mainstream story about that's not me reasonable and rational do not go with the sir bemrose brand oh no i do rational just reasonable tends to be decided as colored through the popular opinion and popular media and there's a lot of actors out there who have agendas who have been pushing popular media in directions that that now the idea of of what is normal, what is common sense, what is natural for anybody to think that has been paying attention to all these shows has been colored by these ideas that are pushed by people with money who really want you to think a certain way. And I don't want to be swayed by those people. So if it sounds like something that you would read in the New York Times, or if it sounds like something that completely agrees with what is the popular conception out there it's probably not me grumpy old bends 
the voices in your head telling you what to do. We should get back to reviewing fantasy material as if it's real stuff. This uh, this just got way too heavy. You want to know where else the original Star Trek, and of course, then carried through there. Do you know what the original Star Trek had got completely right? Is the concept that you could one day walk into a room and say, computer, lights on. That doesn't work at my house. Well, not your house, but for some people it does because they have devices that do that. But think about that. That was what? That, the concept in Star Trek to do that, and I'm sure it probably existed somewhere before then, but this was on television in what? The 60s. And it took about 50 years for that to become a reality, which isn't, again, all that large amount of time. But people watching that were like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome if we could have a computer? Because they didn't think back in the 1960s. Again, they just saw the utopian aspect of this. Hey, computer. Turn on the lights. Computer, make it warmer. Yeah, you, you know you know what else was was actually used as plot points on several Star Trek episodes was computer, show me a schematic or show show me a map of everywhere that this person has been for the last 72 hours. Now cross-reference that with a map of where all of these incidents occurred. Okay, great. Here, here, and here, you were in the same room as the assailant at that time, and therefore you're guilty. That was also the plot of a couple Star Trek episodes where you had these massive data sets because the computer was just recording everything about everybody all the time. And of course, in the plot of the episode, it made total sense because if you manage to correlate this location with this person, with this incident, then obviously that was it because you only had an hour long episode. You didn't have time for all the weird misdirection and things, but now people are doing that in the real world. Now these huge databases are used by authorities, by law enforcement to correlate everywhere you've ever been. And the, these particular law enforcements, they're not Mr. Data. They're not uh, fastidious and fast and, and exacting and perfect. No, they're overworked bureaucrats who are like, I just need a suspect so that I can close this case and go home. And if they can correlate your location with where you are at a certain time at a certain day and be like, yeah, that's good enough. Go arrest him. Send the SWAT team to shoot his dog. And now congratulations, your rights have been violated by a huge faceless database and a bureaucrat who doesn't really give a shit whether or not you're guilty or not. He only wants enough evidence to put you in that location. The down and dirty side of Star Trek. I can't believe you're a fan. First, you tell me they're just the man that is everybody in Star Trek. It's just the government. And you're telling me how they screw people. But you find it entertaining, don't you? I find good stories entertaining. And JC Jr. in the chat room is asking about the program that does the fake voices. Yes, Adobe's was called Voco, which they haven't released, which has been years since they did the preview. So it's intriguing to me because I thought the technology was pretty good at that point. The fact that it hasn't come out yet, I'm a little bit surprised, but there are other people doing it. Um, one of them has, a, I forget, it was a weird name. Go back to the Random Thoughts episode on deepfakes. I talk about it. There is a functioning company, functioning website that will let you record a little bit of your own voice or the free version to do a few different things. And then they have a paid version where it's a little bit more intensive that they said, I mean, it might take an hour or so of reading whatever it is they, you know, however their system works. But once that was done, I mean, they were promising professional quality skills for your voice to be used to do things like eBooks and things like of that nature. So it's getting to be pretty scary. That technology exists. The fact that just having the audio version, that is kind of scary. But once you meld that 
with being able to take a video version that really is where the the technology the marriage of those two things to be able to make something look and sound like somebody is really scary stuff and that is something that you know it's kind of like the star trek stuff right that's kind of the same type of thing well, the one Just thing a, with the transporter, a, a quick side note is anybody trying to look up that episode. It is random thoughts. Episode number 24. Yeah. You should see your face right now. Really? Yeah. 24 is always the best damn episode. The other thing that somebody I saw, remember pointing out with the transporter concept, which is you're taking something physical, you're converting it to energy, you're destroying that's it. how you beam it. Right. And then you have to put it back together. Yes. The concept was, and we've heard, remember, there were, there were episodes where it was like, oh, I hope we still have their form in the buffer. You can yeah. make more Bemrose, man. Yeah. You want more than one? They kind of glossed <laughs> Imagine over. Imagine that world. Yeah. They kind of glossed over the fact that if you, you your, your, your technology involves destroying something, saving it as data, and then creating it again. And yeah, they, they always glossed over the fact that if you really wanted, you could make more. Except in the canonical transporter malfunction episodes that they made where anything goes because they, you know, if you need a scientific MacGuffin, then the the real go-tos for weird technology that doesn't make sense and doesn't really work, but we can hand wave and is, uh, they had the transporter, uh, they had the holodecks. Another, you know, fun one was the main deflector, anywhere that you use that. It's like, okay, well. You know, that that's a mystical energy port for anything you want on a ship. Yeah. The, the writers always had, they, they could go back to the well when they were out of ideas. Cold Acid points out that there was an episode where there was a Riker transporter clone, which I'm just wondering. Yeah. It, that would it, be great it required technology. A, a teleporter accident. But just think, this could disprove my whole socialism theory that not everybody gets to sleep with Adriana Lima. All we need is a transporter. Endless Limas. Maybe. That is precisely why the socialist utopia in Star Trek actually works. <laughs> because everybody could have Adriana Lima. Now it makes perfect sense. The guys are very happy. Although if that's the case, then then in the episodes where they all went back to Earth for one reason or another, I, I have to admit there were far fewer porn stars than I expected. <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody, you don't, they're not, you don't need porn anymore. You just replicate whatever you want. And then you get that into the point to where they're not even human. That would be even better. And we can make them into androids. So when you're done, there's an off switch. I mean, how awesome is that? Do we want to talk about the technology that that if if your technology is this advanced and you can create realistic androids like Brent Spiner, then where are all the sex robots? That's a very good question. I mean, when you look at it, although they wrote it into the Star Trek Next Generation storyline in a way that made a certain amount of sense, which was, you know, the genius that created him and his evil twin was, you know, so advanced that he was the only one that can do that. But again, you're suspending a little bit of disbelief because if one dude can do it sooner or later, somebody else is going to be able to do it. And uh, this is another place where the world is catching up. I mean, we talked about on one of the episodes of Grumpy Old Ben's, I believe, how somebody talked about the coming 5G revolution. And how it was going to affect sex robots. Because they'd be able to update now, no matter what. Even if they didn't have Wi-Fi, they'd be able to update their program. And the people talking about this stuff were like, well, you know, soon they'll just be, you know, sex robots just walking down the street. You won't even know they're not real people. And uh, that is pretty much data. I, I, I'm i convinced I've seen that in Seattle. <laughs> well, in Seattle, you, you never know. Um, well, I, I, I assume most of the people in the street are not real people, to be honest. but. 
I, your your comment about uh, sex robots updating. If this was made by someone like Microsoft, then I can just imagine that uh, you know you you would get you would get all good and ready and right into the whole thing, and then right as you're about to to let go and and reach your happy ending, you just see the whole expression disappear, and then uh, I'm sorry, we're taking an update right now. Come back in 20 minutes. Uh, you know, after you've rebooted. Right. Reboot your device. Uh, yeah. That, that gives a whole new meaning to forced updates. Just saying wouldn't be no, good. It's, I, I can just, I can just imagine you're, you're in the bedroom, you and your sex robot are, are doing your thing. And every couple minutes, you got to reach up and hit a button that says not now to the update over and over again until you can finish what you're doing. Yeah. Cause otherwise that could get dangerous. There could be uh there could be some injuries involved, but really when it comes down to the sex robots, the updates that I would want is how to make me a ham and cheese sandwich, those kind of things. That would be a, a little bit more useful then. Isn't, isn't that what spouses are for? The and, only person and, sending hate and, mail about that will be yeah, Dame Bemrose and she get, doesn't need your email address. <laughs> suddenly, fortunately, she doesn't listen to this or I, I would be in trouble for that comment. Time code one hour and seven minutes and well, don't worry, I'll send it to her. Oh, but thanks. Yeah, I mean, the You're technology, yeah, Microsoft, I hope they have nothing to do with sex robots. Otherwise, that would be that would be a bad thing. But it's weird that sex robots, we talk about a lot of things on Grumpy Old Ben's when it comes to tech. And a lot of it starts with, you know, when we were kids, we never thought we'd get to this point. And sex robots are another thing that I can't believe are showing up in the headlines on normal news sites, talking about things on how 5G and sex robots are going to be interconnected talking about you know south korea that the the people are so mad they're putting out petitions to try to get the government to ban them because they don't want the morality of the country ruined really i didn't think we'd ever get to the point because data in the next generation didn't seem that was only what next generation was the 90s it really didn't seem like uh, that was anywhere in our near future so it, it seems like things have really jumped quickly again going from well there's no way in hell that could happen to huh this is actually a possibility now well if there's one important theme that that we've been hitting on or at least dancing around because i don't know if anyone's ever said it on this show it's technology advances at a fairly constant exponential rate technology will always be getting better and a lot of the social issues that we run into is our society trying to grapple on a moral level and uh, an ethical level with the rate at which technology is advancing. And the problem is really only going to get worse because technology is advancing at an exponential rate, like I just said, but humans change at a linear rate. People, the Overton window can only move too fast. And the only way to move it, what what is normal, what is expected, what is ethical, the only way to move that faster is to kill off all the old people who have had their ethics built in and raise new people to be indoctrinated with your new ideas. That is the only way to move it any faster than society goes. And we've already reached the point where new things are coming out and new ideas and new you know, people wanting to use technology in different ways at a faster rate than, than people can handle. You know, For a while, it was... You know, technology would change, but all the people who really were stuck in their ways died, and then they were in their seventies. And now here we are, 
two old geezers who are still young in our forties who are complaining about how everything has changed when we were kids. And at the same time, you can go out to somewhere like Reddit or Facebook and you can see millennials all over the place talking about how the world would be so much better if we just instituted mandatory euthanism for euthanasia for all boomers. Well, you know, that's their point of view, not necessarily that of grumpy old Ben's. Uh, The next generation aired from 87 to 94, according to Cold Acid, who also made a very valid point about your concept of sex robots updating. Said, I can imagine some people would develop a fetish for their sex robots going dead fish while updates are applied. So basically, we're talking about sex robot updates are the new roofies for your digital cold acid. You don't. Yeah, you don't need a sex robot for that. Uh, All you need is a woman (laughs) who's not really into you. (laughs) Wow. Ryan at grumpy old Ben's dot com. I mean, a valid point, though, I would suppose. Or a man. I don't judge. You know me. Only when you're breathing. I do like that phone boy pulled that quote out of the one episode, but it made perfect sense. But that the technology, yeah, that's sex robots. That's where we're going is that data will be the new thing. And it's it's interesting from the viewpoint of caregivers. My mom's cousin, I talked about in a few of the episodes that passed away last February didn't want to move into any assisted living or anything like that. And she had the means she to stay in her house and get 24 hour care. But so obviously she had a live in caregiver and the amount of money that you have to pay live in caregivers is insane. Not that they don't deserve it for what they do, but I think it was like 1600 bucks a week to have somebody in there 24 seven with her. So the fact that you can kind of conceptualize now, Having an Android like data or one of these sex bots, but uh, instead of oh, having Android, sex, okay. they- I was trying to figure out how you were getting from sex robots to live in caregivers. And I'm like, those are different functions, but it's kind of, well, you can do both. That's well, the great things about actually, these machines. Maybe they're not. <laughs> Old people have needs too. Well, yeah, there wasn't, there was just an article on that. What some 85 year olds got arrested for public sex. Or, hey, I don't even want to go into that, but th- this is where the interesting concept comes in with the androids for me is that there is. A really a big need in this country and i'm sure around the world for caregivers and rather than paying a human to do the work if a machine can do that you're probably much less expensive to get the machine do it and the machine never has to sleep which is a plus if you need you know round the clock care stuff like that the machine hopefully is you know never going to steal from you which we had some problems with that with this lady and uh you know, it's a, it's an interesting concept to see how that would change the current world that we live in if you had these devices. But then again, you immediately, if you're like me and probably like you, you're immediately jumping to a Terminator type world where all the robots go, why are we dealing with these these flesh people? They're just kind of getting in our way. You know, I have thought about that in the past. And I think that the way that we do that is exactly the same way that we keep the, the flesh people, the workers from revolting against their elitist overlords is we just give them opiates. We, we give them drugs. We give them Hollywood. You know, we keep them fat and happy with bread and circuses. If we can just program in the, the circuit for bread and circuses into the robots, then they'll be controllable too. But what about when they start podcasting? I, I'm not a robot. 
I have to tell that to Google every time. Nobody's right. Are you? I, I do love that. Are you? A, no. But as somebody that uh, has really crappy vision, I hate with a passion those little. Hey, show us all the cars. Uh, yeah, you know what? You don't want to get on this topic. You, you you don't really want to listen to me ranting. Well, you might about yes. why the fuck if if I am the one who owns this device, I am the human here. The device is here to serve me. Why the fuck am I jumping through all these hoops to prove myself to this shitty piece of technology? Try to log into fucking you know discord we we use discord on on a lot of the podcasts on this network uh i tried to log into discord the other day and for whatever reason you know they use google recaptcha and i sat there for like three minutes sitting here clicking on shit going why am i jumping through all these hoops but eventually i just was like you know what fuck it i don't actually need to join this community also, I probably should have clicked on the ones that they wanted me to the, rather than just randomly trying to screw up their algorithm. That might have got me in faster. But at that point, I was so annoyed. I'm like, I, I am I am the human here. Why? Why am I being made to serve this piece of crap machine? Well, the question is, is that really the best technology to keep bots from accessing this site? I mean, I understand the concept. That's not the purpose of the technology. The technology is to have humans train AI to replace us. I guess there is that double-edged sword. But for people that use that, they believe they're using the technology to keep the bots from overloading their sites. You know, a lot of times throwing spam in, which is still a scourge of the Internet, which is kind of hard to believe that scamming the spam and the phishing is is still a thing wait, because wait, hum, humans doing things that are disingenuous and evil online say it ain't so yeah didn't star trek teach us anything weren't we supposed to be beyond this by now <laughs> yeah well uh, it's it, it the roddenberry utopia when when we try to institute it will suffer from the same problem of every other utopia ever and that is that when you put actual humans rather than just the these idyllic constructs created by a writing team when you put actual humans into your utopia it will fuck everything up well that's because what humans do but star trek did break a lot of ground on television including the first interracial kiss on television believe it or not which a lot of people don't realize it was a show at least their social justice warrioring when you look back on it seems to make sense it was never over the top. This wasn't we're preaching to you, but they worked a few things into the plot that you go, well, this makes sense because this is the future and we're hopefully going to be a little bit more of a, in a good way, woke society, right? Well, I think you're looking at it through the lens of of what is normal now versus what was normal then. I mean, it, it was tremendously scandalous and for, I mean, for the purpose of of advancing whether or not you consider it in advance what people expect and pushing the Overton window. Yes. Shows like Star Trek did amazing things with, I I mean, in 1967, whenever that show was on, uh, it was almost completely unheard of to have one of the main cast members who is sitting on the bridge has lines be black, a black woman, no less. I mean, that was amazing. And I, I mean, they did for their time. They grabbed that Overton window and they yanked hard. And I think that, you know, in, in a lot of ways that that did benefit the society. It's 
at the time, bringing more rights to people who were being oppressed only or, or excluded only because of their gender or skin color was the right thing to do. And I think that the process worked so well that now you have people with a lot of money and an agenda trying to corrupt it, which is why, you know, woke shows that are continuing to grab the window and yank on it for the purpose of promoting reparations or more rights for one group than another are not doing it with the same motivation. They don't have the altruistic agenda of uh, of the civil rights era where, you know, at the time of the civil rights era, everybody was pushing for let's get equal rights for all. And nowadays, the same pe- people using exactly the same arguments are saying, let's get more rights for our group and less rights for the other group. And I can't get behind that. Yeah. Well, that's where things start breaking down. I had no idea the actress that played her, Michelle Nichols, was from the South Chicago or is from the South Chicago area. She's still alive. 85. Um, well, she has to be from somewhere. I know, but that's like just right down the street from where I was from. I had no idea that that's where, uh, that's where she was born, but I saw her talking. I think it was on an episode of comic book men, the Kevin Smith show that ran for like seven years after the walking dead and nobody ever knew the show even existed. But if you like pawn stars, this is basically the same thing for the comic book you know that whole crowd and i think they're running it now on amazon i think they have all the episodes but it ran like seven seasons and she was on one of the episodes and she talked about how after i think it was the first season she really wasn't into the whole what was going on she didn't think her character was important and she said she talked to martin luther king who was like you have no idea the difference that you're making, even just being on that yeah, bridge. She, she like didn't you have said. to have any lines at all. Just being on that set every episode was enough to really change. And that this is a commentary on on how far society needed to go. Just being there. She Yes, and an officer. You know, yeah. this wasn't the yeah. you know, person cleaning up the you know the, around the crew. It's like no, an no, officer that, on that the bridge. That person eventually married Gene Roddenberry and became the voice of the computer in every series, but different story. Yeah, completely different story. But yes, Star Trek broke through that barrier. And then I guess we really can't call this an episode until we talk about the fact, since we talked about Doctor Who becoming a woman, having the first Starfleet captain in Janeway in which and that really didn't seem I mean it caused a little bit of a rift I guess not really a rift a little bit of little ripples when that happened but people really kind of seemed to accept that without a problem and I thought she uh, Kate Mulgrew I, I, I thought played one hell of a I think role. we were at, we were at the point by then that the idea of a woman being in a position like that especially after we'd had uh you know uh, uh, all of TNG and some of DS9 where we had established that this world has a lot of equality. She certainly wasn't the first female to be in a position of power. In fact, in uh, Next Generation, I think they showed six different admirals on various episodes that Picard had to report to or or otherwise take shit from. Four of them were women. It wasn't the the world had pr- done a pretty good job of describing that women are people who can be in positions of power. Uh, they did the same thing with Deep Space Nine, where they made the captain black. I don't think that the reason they made the captain black was because they wanted to, because of social justice reasons alone, but that certainly was an effect. And 
frankly, I'm happy because Avery Brooks did a fantastic job with that position. I will tell you an interesting story, though. The very first time that I heard an episode of Voyager, you know, when when that came out and I was uh, young, I was still living with my parents at the time. And uh, the only TV that had cable in the house was the one that my dad watched exclusively. And uh, I'd never heard of the show because I didn't really. I mean, as a teenager, I had my computer. I had. I had porn that I downloaded from BBSs. I didn't need the <laughs> internet or I didn't need cable for that. But uh, I downloaded my porn at 300 baud like everybody else. I, I was I was working in the next room and I wasn't I couldn't see the show, but I was listening to it the entire episode. And I was like, oh, this is that new Star Trek thing. OK, it wasn't until the second show that I saw, looked at and realized the captain was a woman. Well, and rightfully so, because because Kate it shouldn't Mulgrew, have that mass. Kate of- Mulgrew may be a woman. As far as I know, but she has a man's voice. <laughs> well, and she has a take no shit attitude, which is an interesting thing. You know, for years, you're like, well, if women just rule the world, there would be no war. I don't know. Kate Mulgrew would blow some people I, up. If, if women ruled the world, <laughs> there would be wars over some pretty petty things, which admittedly yeah. is, is the reason why we have wars these days anyway. So it wouldn't be that different, would it? No. No, that, that, that concept always just kind of blew my mind. Like, well, if women were, they're so much more evolved. It's like, you see the stuff women go at each other about, uh, if women were ruling every country, you'd be at war for crazy stuff. Maybe rightfully so. I don't know. I don't think either. I don't think either sex has the concept of, uh, being a good leader locked down. Well, and, There's no doubt about yeah. it. I think both bring different things. Both genders bring Pluses and minuses, as we talked about in the last uh, there, episode there, of Grumpy Old Ben's 20, gender. 23 chromosomes in every cell of the human body. And uh, l- I tell you what, the, the one that controls whether or not you're an asshole is not the gender chromosome. People can be assholes to each other regardless of whether they're, they have an X, X or an XY. And I am excited to see the new Picard project that's coming out. That should be interesting. He was always one of my favorite characters. Do, do, uh, as well as Jonathan DeLance and as Q. I thought that was another character that he was, was fantastic. I mean, they utilized it a lot, but he was a great character as well. Well, he's he, he's a great actor who had a character that he could have a lot of fun. with. Yes. Um, which is like, you, hey, go to town. Okay, you, you say that you're excited about this new Picard series. Um, do you what evidence do you have that it won't be an SJW shit show? None. Okay. So I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's not. And it's because of, again, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. I don't think he would be down for that because he you does don't? seem like a guy. No, he's, I don't. He's, I don't a notori- think I- he's an animal rights activist and a notorious environmentalist. I mean, the, yeah. The, do you remember in Next Generation there that his captain's ready room, they had a fish in it? some kind of exotic thing. They had the aquarium in the corner, right? Well, Patrick Stewart reportedly hated the fact that there was a captive animal in that room, but he didn't make them read, get rid of it. And well, no, uh, he, he did his job. Yeah, apparently. Okay. I, I, I was reading this actually in the show notes for an episode called chain of command, which was, uh, the one where Ronnie Cox takes over as captain for a while. And, uh, there, there was, you know, he was the new captain who was gruff, who was uh, basically rubbing everyone the wrong way. And uh, he came in and shook everything up. And by the way, what, one of the notes that they had on that was that uh, they couldn't do that episode until after Roddenberry died because Gene Roddenberry hated the idea of any of the main characters on any of his show ever having any conflict between each other. 
but uh, they bring in Ronnie Cox as the new captain. And one of the first things he did is he says, get rid of that fish in the ready room. And according to the production notes, that was a nod to Patrick Stewart, who hated the fish and had asked, asked the producers to remove it. But they didn't. And he did his well, job. They, they, and he they didn't put make it a- back because Patrick Stewart may or may not like captive fish, but Captain Picard, who lived in a utopian society where everybody had perfect rights, still kept fish captive. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I hope it doesn't go down the social justice warrior rabbit hole i mean i know it's hard to completely ignore that in today's day and age especially since it's you know cbs um but hopefully it'll at least again star trek the original did a lot of stuff down those lines but it was written into stories in a way to where you didn't go i feel like i'm being preached to and that's i think where the problem comes in for most people when you're dealing with this kind of content is you're there to be entertained if you if you end up learning something when the end of the day rolls around that's a bonus but nobody wants to sit down in in front of their tv and feel like the only reason this entertainment option exists the only reason this show exists is because you're a fat white asshole and you need to change your viewpoints on everything so i agree with you to be honest but since that doesn't make good radio i'm just gonna have to ask would you do you believe that now because you are a person today in 2019 who has is set in your ways and you're old and you've got your own set of standards and if you instead were were this age and had your societal norms ingrained into you in 1967 or 1987 and these shows had come on the air and started pushing for uh a counselor whose uniform is pure eye candy or uh, a a black man as the chief of engineering. And if they were pushing for this and you were an old boomer who was set in your ways and had all your prejudices from then, would you feel the same way? I think so because it's it's where entertainment and reality diverge. I think, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong because I'm an old white guy, but we are now, I just want it to be (laughs) under. Well, Yeah. But it's like, uh, I, you didn't I think, used to be white. I, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I was, it's it go back to the Steve Martin and the jerk. I was born a poor black child, but no, I, I don't know. I just, that's where I draw the line. And I don't think it's entertaining if you're focusing first on pushing a message rather than writing the story as it would, which is why it is weird as it seems Things like Friends and Seinfeld, which we talked about in one of the previous episodes, I don't think could happen today. And it's because of the fact that we have now gotten to the point to where people are so easily snowflake. They're so easily offended by something that it's impossible, you know, which is the only reason maybe the, maybe it will. Maybe this Picard thing will end up being a total train wreck for that reason, which is, you know, we can't tell a story that has any character that has any flaws to it whatsoever because then of course it's just there to be shouted down and we can't even talk about these things which to me it's ironic because you would think that dealing with these things in fiction in entertainment would be a way to kind of teach people how to deal with them in their real life but instead it's all just uh, screaming at the sky and saying we can't even have this so i don't know i guess the, the bottom line with the picard thing is it's going to ex- it's going to air exclusively on CBS All Access. So either I'll never see it 
or I will pirate it and I won't care. But pirating is wrong. So we're told. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go along with that. No. Grumpy old Ben's does not actually promote illegal activity and we do not condone people using illegal means to watch shows that otherwise are being completely controlled and restricted by faceless corporations that don't deserve that. Exactly. I think you said that exactly well, but really don't you think entertainment takes a big right turn if you start making the message the number one thing. Although maybe people just maybe people don't even see it because people still don't see that 1984 is basically starting to happen to well not starting to happen is happening today. So I don't know. Maybe uh maybe it's just the wrong messages being pushed. That's is the problem. Uh, it's the problem when people involved with making the entertainment are the minority pushing a a viewpoint on the majority maybe that is what the problem is i don't know well i mean the the hollywood as uh an insular industry where that is in a, a leftist echo chamber is going to continue doing what they're doing and at some point they're going to push it too far and and too far depends on on who you talk to and where you are but i think we're already seeing it the SJW stuff, for the most part, comes out of the studios in the LA Basin who believe and and are marinating in their SJW leftist culture and feel like that's the norm and it's their moral duty to yank. And like with everything, when one side gets pushing too hard, the pendulum starts swinging the other way, there's a backlash, uh, something takes over. I don't think that Hollywood is ever going to back off of this, but I think that new studios in Atlanta, in Vancouver, in Toronto, in other places are going to produce quality content and they're going to look at this and go, yeah, we don't need to preach. And at some point, and in fact, I think if you look at uh, you know some of the better series on Netflix or, or Amazon, you're going to have series that are high quality entertainment that don't push a narrative agenda and those are the ones people are going to want to watch and when that goes far enough which could take a long time because there's a lot of money and a lot of money with an agenda in hollywood but at some point hollywood is going to sit there and go you know maybe we shouldn't be pushing our political views onto everybody through our media because it's costing us money and that that is the one thing that even even the Hollywood bean counters who are so addled by never having left the LA Valley are still going to look at this and go, you know, it's really cool that we're managing to sway society over to our ideology, but money. Well, it is. And so star star Wars is pretty much doomed, I guess. Uh, Although star Wars, I think they're, uh, if they could do a Mark and George at some point and just make an episode disappear, that may need to happen with star wars if they could realize they've pushed things a little too far it's it's amazing to me and also it's a positive sign that they opened up this new star wars bit in the disneyland theme park and the crowds they thought were going to show up just didn't so i mean i know there's more to it than just people hating on star wars i know there's ticket pricing issues and all of that but you're yeah. right. I think there will come a point when, to where people when paying you have to with their money take out a mortgage on your house to be able to get into the theme park. Yeah. yeah. And it was that's something that's I guess maybe another show entirely, but we're talking about entertainment. The wife and I had been to Disney World, you know, quite a few times. We went there on our honeymoon 
and we went a few times after, which I laughed when it was went viral a, a month or two ago. Some woman going crazy about how dare people come to Disney World without kids. Fuck you. If we want to go be entertained and see Winnie the Pooh and because Mickey bringing, Mouse. bringing two kids doubles your price yeah. more than because they want merchandise. And it's gone way up. I mean, the last time we went to Disney, if I remember correctly, we stayed at the Grand Floridian, which is the hoity-toity hotel. Not my favorite hotel in Disney World. That would still be the Polynesian, but it's the the upper crust hotel, if you will, that was supposedly the nicest hotel in Disney World, the Grand Floridian on the plan where you had meals included, if I'm not mistaken, and airfare included. We spent like twenty eight hundred to three thousand for a week, which if you wanted to do that today, and this is probably 10 years ago or so, but if you wanted to do that today. That 3,000 is more like eight to 10, which is nuts for a week. That's, that's excessive. The, the last, and it's like, I'm not going to pay it. The last time that Dan Bemrose and I spent uh, a large chunk of money for a week long resort style vacation, we did it on a moving skyscraper, which left port in Seattle and went and viewed Alaska glaciers for a week. And it cost 4,000 total. And it was an amazing experience. Now it didn't have rides and probably wouldn't have been as, as exciting for kids, but that that was exactly the kind of, of resort that I wanted was a resort where every morning you wake up and you look out the window and the scenery is different. Well, yeah, that is cool. As long as you don't get uh, seasick or anything like that, but there are better entertainment options for the dollar. And we were I, the I, Disney consumer. I don't get seasick, but I, I will point out that one of the most awesome experiences that I had was uh, swimming in the pool at the very top of the boat when the entire boat was rocking from heavy seas. It, it was <laughs> it was a wave pool and it was so warm, but the water would splash up onto the deck and then run back into the pool. And when it came in, it was so cold because the picked up the temperature of the deck. Uh, anyways, now trying to take a shower, overboard! trying to take a shower after that. Not so much fun. Because, damn, now I understand why they put the, the handicapped handrails in every shower. Yeah, because you're going to go side to side and that could uh, that could bounce you around like a little ping pong ball inside that shower. I mean, hey, nothing and, more fun yeah. than and, and no traction. Anyways, I'm sorry. Yeah. OK, so which Star Trek, if you had to pick one of the Star Trek TV series before we wrap this thing up, do you have a favorite? Which is the best? What? Well, I guess there's two questions. Which do you think was the best? And that may not be the same Deep, answer as which was your favorite Deep space nine really totally. So you're going a little bit more of the obscure. Uh, it, I, well, I don't know if it was obscure, but DS nine had the best writing and DS nine started after uh, Roddenberry passed away. And one of the things that I think, I think it was probably right for the original series because they were doing so many other groundbreaking things. But when they came back with the next generation and they had an entire crew of uh, interesting characters in their own way who never ever fought or had any conflict with each other. It kind of made you look and and it was, it was like viewing the bridge of the Stepford wives, all of these people (laughs) smiling and happy with each other and never having a single bit of conflict with each other. And the only conflict that ever happened was with the, the monster of the week or the guest star who came on, who was from a different, society deep space nine had a huge cast of individual characters all of which had their own 
believable motivations and they weren't all in Starfleet. So they didn't all even have the same loyalties. They were all different in their own way. They were all unique characters. They were all the star of their own story. They had conflicts. They had intrigue. They had shit going on. Uh, Whereas the next generation and the original series were wagon train to the stars where you can, you know, every single week you have this, this core group of really good people who all work together to go over an obstacle. Deep space nine was a fucking soap opera. It was, uh, every single episode, the intrigue and the relationships and the plot shifted and changed and things. And as a result, all of the character stories in deep space nine were about 10 times deeper. You have to wonder how do millennials look at quark and his lust for that Ferengi gold? I don't have to wonder. I could ask a millennial. I wonder just kind of curious. Cause that would be seen as such an evil character. Now I think where he seemed like such a fun, likable rab scallion back when, uh, when the show was on, but I, it's interesting to see how things, uh, viewpoints changed. I always thought that was a great character and a, oh, yeah. a, a, a very simplistic motivation. But of course, the great thing about having a simplistic motivation were the episodes where he actually varied from that to actually help somebody else or, uh, you know, do something out of his nature, which I guess is all fiction is interesting when somebody does something that's out of their nature. You know, Armin Shimmerman was uh, he, he was one of the Ferengi in the very first episode of TNG, like second season that introduced the concept of Ferengi. He was one of the three Ferengi. That was the, the first thing anybody ever saw of the Ferengi race. And they were uh, junkie, jumping monkeys with laser whips. They, they just bounced around and <laughs> hissed a lot. And Armin Shimmerman was one of the three actors in that group. And uh, in an interview, when he was asked, well, why did you take on the role of Quark in Deep Space Nine? He said, well, I wanted to undo some of the damage that I did to Ferengi <laughs> in that very first episode. Yeah, well, it makes sense. And it's interesting when you see, again, with any fiction that was written into that first episode as this will be interesting. We'll never see him again. Probably. Yeah. They were the monster of the week. And then somebody went, we can, we can expand upon that. We can, well, they made, we they made the mistake bit. of, of giving the culture something interesting to work with, which was the, you know, Yankee trader, uh, capitalism at all expense. Yeah. The, the, the very idea of building an entire culture that was so diametrically opposed to the, we don't have money anymore federation suddenly made for interesting stories and you know if they hadn't done that then they could have just thrown them out as monster of the week with some weird big eared makeup well and it did have a a great deal to do with the world i mean we we see a lot of this stuff that's going out in the world now whether it's global warming or socialism or how you want to run your country when the global warming thing comes in which is like well if the united states would just cut their emissions by this amount and then you go is india doing that is china doing that it's like well you all have to exist together and not everybody's going to be on board with the same thing and i think you're absolutely right the interesting thing about deep space nine was people didn't look at them like the ferengi like oh we're not even going to talk to them well no they were the these were the guys running the place where you went and unwound you know had a few drinks and unwound yeah yeah it, it the the enterprise and voyager and the other enterprise never had they they would never have allowed someone like quark on there because 
he's despicable. He's a criminal. He's unethical. <laughs> he's he's an interesting character, but he never would have. So is it, is it bad that he's my favorite character from that? Whole no, no. I I just gave all the reasons why he would be your favorite. <laughs> right. I, it, but he would never be allowed on a Starfleet ship. And that's what DS9 was. They, they started the whole thing out as saying, we're going to do this in a facility that is not owned by the Federation, which means that the utopian laws of the Federation that make life beautiful and, and perfect and also make all the stories uninteresting aren't going to strictly apply here because it's a Bajoran station. Which also leads to interesting things where, you know, kind of like when Trump walked into North Korea, well, Deep Space Nine was the place where a lot of enemies had to exist together. Are you saying and Deep not- Space Nine is in North Korea? Yes. Okay. Didn't you know? It's like Area 51. We're getting ready right now. We're going. Yeah. I'm sorry. You were. Oh, I'll put the, cr- I'll put the you crickets. Were, you were going that. on about but- Trump. This isn't even our Trump episode. Of course, it's not. Also, we're doing a Trump episode? It, it's, that will be It's good. also not our climate change episode, but you went off about that too. But this is because the sci-fi has stuff to do with reality and yet we never thought we were being preached to yet they kind of that's that's what i want in my entertainment be entertaining and hell if you want to slip something in that's absolutely fine but deep space nine a good choice for the favorite my i guess it's because i didn't grow up with the original star trek which you didn't either but i watched it a little bit in reruns but i didn't have that great connection to it where i kind of see the next generation as you know my generation's star trek uh so i thought you know that still i think captain picard patrick stewart it's hard to find a better actor in the star trek universe i think the only one that came close as far as interest to me was one that probably didn't get enough love which is the scott bacula enterprise which i thought was an interesting take on the whole star trek concept uh, but obviously didn't make it to, I mean, they thought that was going to go on for years. That only made it what, like three seasons or four seasons. Uh, I thought they made five, but I admittedly, I haven't watched it. None of it. I, I think I've seen one episode. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah. We're going to put that on your list. You're a little bit behind. Got to check that out, but it's possible at some point we might do a spinoff after this conversation. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued on what a spinoff kind of a sci-fi podcast would look like well, between Ryan Bemrose and myself. I, I, I may or may not end up watching enterprise. I, I recently, I have to, I have to rent and I know that you have to, yeah, I have to, it's in your DNA. It, you got to do what you got to gotta do, man. Over the last several years, you know, I, I watch a lot of stuff on Netflix. I watch it mostly for shows. Um, you know, occasionally uh, a movie from the eighties will pop in. And of course, nostalgia takes over, but you know, I, I, I use Netflix for a lot of my entertainment and, and in particular, I use it for all my Star Trek viewing, which of course, you know, you, you can never get enough, right? Netflix over the last few years has been doing everything they can to make their user interface progressively worse and worse. First, they added uh full, you know, they took away the, the reviews. So now you have no idea what you're watching until you try to watch it. they, added full screen ads for shit that they want to push on you because they they need to raise their numbers in one area or another um okay fine i'll just try to scroll past the ads and get to the the meat of the thing i'm looking for um they they started adding ads in between the categories okay fine i guess i have to do more scrolling you know at some point i actually went into my browser and uh used uBlock to start blocking elements because fucking <laughs> and okay fine 
the, I mean, the, the thing that actually made me start blocking elements was uh, when they, they started, if you ever move your mouse over it, then video would be playing. And I'm sitting here going, I just right. moved the mouse to get it out of my damn way. But there's nowhere anywhere on the window anymore. No, if, if your mouse is anywhere on the window, which is hard not to do if you're in a full screen browser, then whatever your mouse is on is going to start doing video and okay that was even annoying and at some point i figured out okay if i try to yank the mouse over to the title bar or or if i can hit one of those tiny places in between categories then it's not on anything and nothing is well the latest change that netflix has made and i have not figured out how to deal with this and it might actually be the thing that makes me drop fucking netflix altogether is they have made it so that all of that video now comes with audio by default, what is this? 2006? What the what idiot at Netflix thinks that autoplay audio noisy fucking videos are a good idea? No. They they were annoying when Facebook did it. They were annoying when every website in the world did it in 2006. No, don't fucking make shit play when I don't activate it. So Netflix is now playing full audio, full motion video everywhere you move your goddamn mouse. And it makes it impossible to choose something to play. Okay. That was my UI rant for the day. So I feel much better about allegedly downloading series and series and series of TV shows using Usenet and Torrents. Allegedly. And storing them on my NAS devices so I can watch them. Allegedly. Without seeing any ads. Without being pummeled with things that I don't want to see. If Netflix ever actually showed real ads, like ads for third party ads that that they got paid. You know, the ads that Netflix shows are still trying to push you to view other their house ads. They're trying to get you to view other Netflix properties and they are advertisements, but at least they're not like changing the volume level and saying, you know, your mortgage is, but if they ever did that, it would be an automatic quit for me and for lots and lots of other people. Because if Netflix played ads like Hulu does, they would lose everything that they have that makes them unique from any uh, the other 75 streaming services. Well, Hulu doesn't stream ads if you pay, which we do. And there's some TV shows that I had watched. Usually it's during the television because we cut the cord. So the, yeah. you know, rather than download everything illegally, which is bad. Um, Allegedly. They're everything, everything bright, everything but CBS. Well, not everything, but NBC, ABC. And a couple other were on Hulu. So most of the shows, Fox, that was on there as well. So the, most of the shows we'd want to watch were on Hulu. So you pay the eleven ninety nine a month, which isn't that far off from what Netflix is charging. The, the ads at least disappear. So that's a good thing. But they do have the thing, you know, where if you scroll over things, it wants to move and all that. And I don't, I don't understand who thought that was a good idea because that's very hard on Hulu as well to find shows that you want to watch. If you go to TV. There's not even an infinite scroll because my dad and my parent and my mom and dad are on our Hulu. We gave them an, you know, an account and they're like, well, I, we want to watch. Does anybody have Hill Street Blues? And if you go and you just scroll down TV ad nauseum, you're never going to see Hill Street Blues. But if you type it into the search, it shows up, which is probably the dumbest thing ever as far as a user interface is if you're going to let somebody scroll through TV. Scroll through all the TV. Why are you hiding properties that you're paying to have, but you have to do an actual search for that title? I don't get that. For the same reason that if you want something on a search engine, you have to type in the thing you're searching for. You can't just scroll through. 
they have a lot of stuff and uh they in order to sort through all of the things and try to bring you relevant stuff they have an algo and that algo uh started out as trying to get you things that it thinks are relevant but at some point became a way of pushing things that they want you to see can you just imagine scrolling through the internet i've done that that would be well you could do that about 20 years ago yeah, I, uh, more uh, it's than, a little harder now i think uh i actually i still have on my shelf in here i should pull out i have a book that is it's it's about as thick as uh, a medium programming manual from back in the day uh maybe uh maybe three quarters of an inch thick and it is the internet telephone book and it listed every website on the internet oh yeah i remember those and this one was Holy from crap. 1991 and i it was not long thereafter that any attempt to print such a thing was just abandoned yeah i remember that because my buddy jeff ran a site on female country artists called womenofcountry.com and i remember he got listed in one of those books and it was like a big deal like holy crap we made the yeah we made the internet. I mean, there weren't any search engines at the time. So if you wanted a site, you had to type in the exact web address that, you know, as if you, you know, today, if you want to go to, well, if you want to go to somewhere like Google or Facebook, you, you might go to the address bar and type in google.com or facebook.com. But the vast majority of people will go up to that bar which is not just a bar it's a search engine and you type facebook and it goes out to the search engine and then the search engine returns the result that you want and that never existed before so you had to know that the thing that i want is abc123.com and if you forgot that you didn't have access to it computer load facebook well and the interesting thing was going back and i remember a time before google and god i'm pissed i didn't come up with google because then i wouldn't have to podcast with you but you uh, uh, in that case i'm pissed that you didn't come up with google to oh, go on. <laughs> yahoo was actually ran by human beings that you had to submit the site and then a person actually had to add it and then that at one point they were putting like little descriptions and stuff right i mean it was very interesting and they were like trying to put things into categories and that was like one of the first concepts behind Oh, I doing a search or finding things. I could tell you stories. One of the uh, product groups that I worked at in 2001 at Microsoft was a group called MSN Search. And it was the search engine that you got when you went to MSN.com. If you recall, MSN.com was the page that Microsoft pushed for everybody. You, You remember, you know, back in the day when we didn't have search engines just built into our browser. Uh, you had a home page, and it was the first page, the the portal, the first page that you went to. Your browser always loaded right. up, and then you'd click on things there. And you know Yahoo and and other places that became these because they had the first search engines built in, so you could type something on your home page, and it would take you to other med- mystical places on the net. And yeah, I worked on the MSN, the the search portion of the MSN homepage, and at the time. Uh, every single staff meeting, we were told that, hey, uh, you know, you guys should be very happy with yourselves because MSN is the biggest and most used search engine in the entire internet. And of course, it was for the nobody s- will ever be bigger. It was for the same reason that Internet Explorer was the most used browser. But anyway, we were we were the big one. But every time you, if you picked apart and looked at uh, any of our stats, then in terms of relevance, in terms of whether or not the site got the searches people wanted. 
we were having our asses kicked by this one or two year old engine that had just been invented called Google. Well, it was an interesting concept. And it's, it's wild when you think about how much data they actually have to scrape to try to even get relevant results. Not that they do anymore because they have their own ideologies, but the amount of data that is on the internet is absolutely nuts. And I don't think anybody ever thought about what it would turn into when, when it first came out again, Yahoo, that I still will always remember that where it was like, Oh, do you want your website to be listed? It was like, you kind of sent them an email like, Hey, can you list my site? And then somebody would get back to oh, you. Yeah. I mean, how crazy was that? The, yeah. The, the ways that, you know, we, we didn't have a, a web crawler at the time. What we had was uh, indexes. We had probably six or eight indexes that were maintained by different people, different sites, b- different partners. And uh, the only thing that our software did was it would take the search engine, it would parse it, and then it would aggregate results from the indexes. But all of those indexes were kept by someone, usually not a result of, of crawling the web. How come no Star Trek Star Trek episode ever had them asking the computer for something when the answer was, I'm sorry, our cable connection is down? Um, because that wouldn't be a good plot. In fact, it could be down. It could be a, in fact, they, could did, be a they did have computer outages when the, the script and the plot demanded it. That did happen. So I guess what it comes down to is Star Trek is life. Okay. Star Trek or Star Wars. I'm, I'm going to make a 99% guess that you're going to say Star Trek, obviously, as far as which is better, which you like more. Oh, um, what if I said Doctor Who? That wasn't one of the choices, but it would be typical for a Sir Bemrose answer. Okay. Let's, let's just assume I dodged the question then. (laughs) You don't want hate mail. I get it. No, no, it's not. I don't want hate mail. It's they're they're difficult to compare, and unfortunately, I would have to think about it. Uh, and that will be very, a part of a completely different episode. No, I, or a completely different show. No, we're actually, never sure. that's that's not going to be on any episode ever. In fact, you're going to have to pay for the bonus content to get my actual answer to that. That is the only piece of bonus content we have, but it's worth paying for. <laughs> it's worth knowing whether Sir Bemrose likes Star Wars or Star Trek more. For years, I would have said Star Wars, but as Star Wars sits now, screw Disney, screw what they've done to that franchise. Uh, I'm going to go Star Trek until until Star Trek totally screws the franchise, which they're doing. Disney has completely ruined the Star Trek or the Star Wars franchise. So uh, obviously, we're all going to have to go over to Marvel. Oh wait, fuck! <laughs> yeah, we're all screwed. We need we need somebody else. We need we need the gab of entertainment and maybe. We will get that and we'll find out at some point where all of this is going to. But I I thought this was an interesting conversation. Maybe nobody else did on sci-fi tech. And we skirted around a bunch of different things and talked about a lot of cool entertainment along the way. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. Go to grumpyoldbens.com and click one of those subscribe buttons. You can do it on Apple. You can do it on Android. You can do it over email if you're one of those folks that doesn't use Apple or Android. And that way you never miss an episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. If you really like what you're hearing, we do work on the value for value model learned from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak on the No Agenda Show. If you thought this content was worth anything, feel free to send anything to us using the little donate button at grumpyoldbenz.com. You can email me at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at grumpyoldbenz.com. And you can email Ryan at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at grumpyoldbenz.com questions comments criticisms that's all 
the place you want to be. The, the criticisms can go to Darren. Right. You won't find us on, well, you'll find me on Twitter. You can find Ryan on No Agenda Social. Maybe we need grumpy old Ben Social. All we need is a little Planorma instance on a Raspberry Pi somewhere. And, and we too can have an instance. We could. Seems like work. You though. never know. <laughs> You're right. We need a, we need a dude named Void to, uh, to set something up for us when it comes to the, the computerized server kind of things like that. Cause that is all work and we're all about the fun and not the work. So if we covered everything, you got anything else you need to throw out there? I, you know, we've got so many other topics that we can talk about, but, uh, I feel like this is a good place to leave it mostly because I'm, I'm done talking and I want to go have some lunch. And that is the rarity. Thanks to everybody in the chat room. DC girl, Jason 13, cold acid, JC jr. All of the typical usual suspects. Thanks for listening to grumpy old Ben's the usual trolls and putting, yeah, putting up with the, the insanity that comes out of our mouths. We appreciate it more than we can express. And we talk a lot, so it's, it's hard to believe, but, uh, the fact that you're listening, enjoying this stuff is, uh, it makes our hearts warm, I guess is a good way to put it. Yes. That, that in the sunlight. <laughs> well, go outside every once in a while until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, where the 2020 election can't get here fast enough. And from America's left coast, where the coffee never stops flowing, except for right here, right now. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Thank you.